0: Chapter fourteen of Percy Wynn or Making a Boy of Him This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Percy Wynn or Making a Boy of Him by Francis J. Finn, in which Percy finds himself on the sick list. When Percy awoke next morning, The sun was up and shining brightly through the infirmary windows. He made an attempt to arise, but discovered to his astonishment that he was scarcely able to turn in his bed. Tranquilly resigning himself to the situation, he made the sign of the cross and recited his morning prayers, which he had scarcely concluded, when the brother entered bearing on a tray tea and toast, eggs and beefsteak. What a lazy boy you are, he said. At your age you should rise with the lark. Jump up, put on your clothes, and take a run about the grounds, and get an appetite for breakfast. The spirit is willing, said Percy with a smile, but the flesh is weak, and besides, I don't think my appetite needs so much care at present. The brother bolstered him into a sitting position, and set the tray beside him on a small table. "'Now, help yourself.' "'Brother, I want to ask you a question. "'Don't you think it looks queer for a boy of my age and size "'to go around with his hair hanging down to his shoulders?' "'It's very pretty, perhaps,' said the infirmarian cheerfully. "'But it is certainly uncommon here.' "'That's just what I've been thinking,' said Percy reflectively. "'And besides, it isn't convenient for a boy.' though i suppose it may be all right for girls it gets in the way so often you know sometimes when i am playing catch my hair comes tumbling over my eyes and that makes me muff worse than i would do otherwise indeed if i didn't have hair at all i don't think i'd hold one ball in twenty i have such butter fingers, as tom says yes i think i'll have it cut short i don't want people to think i'm proud "'Very good,' said the brother, who had listened to this naive confession, with ill-suppressed amusement. "'When you're limber enough to leave the infirmary, I'll cut your hair myself.' Percy contrived to make a fair breakfast, and had hardly finished when who should enter but Charlie Richards. "'Why, how do you do, sir?' said Percy, in some astonishment. "'Won't you take a seat?' "'Do. Bring a chair over here by my bed.' I regret that I am unable to rise. The invalid was quite serious. As, with the grand air of a young prince, he made his polite requests, tendered his apologies. Richards, somewhat confused by this anomalous reception, brought a chair beside Percy and seated himself. Percy, I've come to ask your pardon. He began. I'm awfully ashamed of myself and I'm very glad you spoiled our mean plot. Would you mind shaking hands? Certainly not, answered Percy warmly. I'm very glad you and I have come to be friends, and I guess it's mostly my fault that you haven't liked me. I'm so stuck up, you know. I came here like a young peacock and strutted around as if I weren't a boy at all. I'm not one bit surprised now that the boys teased me and pulled my hair sometimes, and threw it over my eyes when I was trying to catch a ball. I'm sure they wanted to teach me, for they were nearly always so good-natured. Indeed, my only surprise is that they didn't plague me more. Percy was entirely serious. Like the noble-hearted child he was, he had a habit of looking upon everything from the bright side, and even those of the very thoughtless or cruel boys who had shown him unkindness he had come to look upon as his benefactors. "'Aren't you making fun of me?' asked Richards. "'No, indeed, but I hope you're not going to be punished.' "'No, but I ought to be. Mr. Middleton has begged me off. "'The very first thing this morning, Tom Playfair came to me and asked me to shake hands.' "'Oh, it's so like Tom,' said Percy with enthusiasm. "'He's the best boy I ever met. "'If Pancratius were alive today, he'd be something like Tom. I know he would.' "'Indeed, he is a splendid fellow,' said Richards earnestly. "'And I wish I had got to know him when I first came here, "'instead of falling in with Peters.' "'You know he's been expelled, don't you?' "'I heard of it last night,' said Percy. "'Richard, who was a fluent talker, "'related graphically the last night's scene in the study hall.' "'Poor fellow,' said Percy sadly. "'We must pray for him. "'How his mamma must feel about it.' He has no mother, he told me once. She died when he was little more than a baby. Oh, dear, dear, no wonder he wasn't a very good boy. I'm sure if it hadn't been for my mamma and my sisters to care for me, I'd have been a villain. I know I would. It almost makes me cry sometimes when I think of poor boys growing up without a mother's love and with no one to take the mother's place. They have such poor chances. It is indeed hard, assented Richards. "'And then to think of those boys, not of our faith, "'who have no mother here and no Mother Mary in heaven, "'no blessed virgin to help them, no mother at all. "'I'm going to try to join the sodality,' said Richards. "'I haven't been what I ought to be so far. "'In fact, I haven't used a pair of beads for over a year.' "'Oh, gracious!' exclaimed Percy. "'No wonder you fell into bad company. "'Well, I've learned a few things the last few days.' richards resumed and i'm going to make a new start do said percy earnestly and i'm sure we'll be good friends contrary to prevailing custom there were no games going on in the yard after breakfast the students were grouped into two crowds one about harry quip the other about tom each of whom were holding forth with eloquence on percy's great achievement I used to think he wasn't much of a boy, said Tom, but now I don't think I'm half as much of a boy as he is. Greatly to Tom's delight, the prefect of studies, summoning him before studies, informed him that he might absent himself from Latin and Greek schools for the present. Tom was leader in both these branches, and give the time to teaching Percy. Percy was, if possible, even more pleased. Sitting up in bed when his young professor had inaugurated class, he rattled off the five declensions, the adjectives of three, two, and one endings, the personal, possessive, and demonstrative pronouns, everything, in fact, as far as the verb. "'You know it like a book,' said Professor Tom. "'And I must say that I am, ahem, more than, ahem, gratified. "'Now let's apply your knowledge.' we'll begin with something easy what's the latin for rose rosa exactly genitive rosa of the first declension and feminine because words of the first declension have a way of being always feminine and for moon luna quite correct said the professor gravely and from luna comes lunatic and lunacy which is a learned way of saying moonstruck "'Now, say this, and be careful about it, or you'll choke. "'To the roses of the moon. "'To the rosa of the luna,' said Percy innocently. "'The professor began laughing and turned away his head to recover himself. "'He considered it unprofessional to laugh in the face of his pupil. "'Not correct, Percy. Look here. "'Are there any articles in the Latin language?' "'Oh, that's a fact,' said Percy.' Now I've got it sure. To Rosa of Luna. There now. That's a little better. But what is to a sign of? Of the dative case. Just so. Now we're getting there. And then what is of a sign of? The genitive. Precisely. And in Latin, instead of using to or of, which are not Latin words at all, but common English, we simply put the word in the proper case oh what a goose i was said percy now i understand the whole matter Rosis lune you're there now now say to the rose of the moon rose lunarum tom twisted these words in all possible ways then through an adjective then a verb and having an uncommonly bright pupil to deal with He succeeded, within the short space of an hour, in initiating Percy into the mystery of Latin cases in agreement. You're a good pupil, Percy. For your next lesson, take the indicative mood as a verb esse, to be. Very good, but Tom, I don't like the way of changing the nouns in Latin for every case. In English, it's much simpler. We keep the noun the same, but make the difference by using to, or for, or with, or some such little word. I don't know that it's so much easier, answered Tom. Did you ever hear a boy of foreign birth struggling with English prepositions and expressions? No. Did they find it hard? I should say so. The other day John Bose, a German boy in our class, who boards in St. Mar's village, told our teacher that he had lost his written theme under the way to school. Oh, what a funny expression, isn't it? And he told me, once I got talking with him, that he lived by his uncle's house and that he took dinner by his grandmother every day out of the week. Oh, my! And in one of his class compositions, describing spring, he wrote, The little chickens run around rapidly and stuff themselves full of green grass. Farsi laughed so that he shook every nerve and muscle, and was minded by his soreness to restrain himself. And in another of his compositions, which I shall never forget, continued Tom, he described the way he spent one of his holidays. It was short but interesting, so I learnt it by heart. It ran this way. I stood up from my bed at a quarter behind six, and I washed my eyes out and my neck off, and I combed down my hair. I spent the rest of the day by my grandmother in the country, who wears green spectacles. Percy could hardly restrain himself from violent laughter. His sense of humor was keen, and Tom's imitative powers were fairly good. But all fun aside, Tom was correct in his opinion. Boys of foreign birth in learning English have great difficulty in handling prepositions and connecting words, The Latin tongue, with its clearly defined cases and set rules of grammar, they find to be far more easy. In the afternoon, the private lessons were resumed, and Percy's progress was most encouraging to the learned professor. If you stay here another week, said Tom, you'll know more Latin than I. Next day, Percy received a visit from Mr. Middleton. How's the young tramp? he inquired. "Oh, I'm just splendid," answered Percy. "Everybody's so nice and kind; and see what a fine easy chair I'm in; I can notice my improvement every hour almost. Today I found I could walk a little, and in a few days or so my legs will be as good, or rather as bad, as ever. Don't you find it lonesome here?" "Oh, dear, no! Tom and I have grand Latin classes. He has given me four lessons already. OF AN HOUR EACH, AND I'M NOW NEARLY THROUGH THE VERB AMO, AND HAVE ALREADY BEGUN TRANSLATING THE HISTORIAE SACRE. I'VE MADE OUT THE FIRST SIX CHAPTERS BY MYSELF. THEN, YOU KNOW, WHEN I GET TIRED OF STUDYING, I'VE GOT DION AND THE Sibyls. IT REMINDS ME OF BEN-HUR. BOTH OF THEM ARE splendid BOOKS. IT'S A GREAT GIFT TO LIKE GOOD READING, SAID THE PREFECT. WHETHER SICK OR WELL, WE CAN ALWAYS READ. For myself, I must say, that books have lent happiness to many of my spare hours. That's so, said Percy, who, it should be remembered, previous to coming to St. Mars, had associated almost entirely with persons older than himself. A really good book brings us into good company. When I've been reading about noble and brave men, I feel just as if I had been spending my time with them. Yes, but the pity is that the reverse is equally true. Those boys who are constantly reading about low characters and vile conduct come from their books as if they had been in evil company. These cheap detective and Indian stories, many of them at least, do more harm than people in general imagine. I wish all boys were of your way of thinking, Percy. Some won't read anything unless they know that there are Indians to be killed, or trains to be robbed, or mysterious and blood-curdling murders to be explained. Mamma says that people like such stories only because they've been trained badly. She says that all boys are naturally good and religious and naturally love what is brave and beautiful and noble. But by being led to consider fighting as brave and slang as witty, they look upon everything the wrong way. From the seamy side, she used to say. Your mama is right. I wish all the mamas in the land had her ideas. "'Oh, Mr. Middleton, she's coming here during the Christmas holidays. "'I want to introduce you. "'I know she'll like you ever so much.' "'Indeed?' "'Oh, yes, indeed. "'I like you, Mr. Middleton.' Hercy, be it remembered, was by no means bold or forward. "'It was in beautiful simplicity he thus spoke to the prefect, "'just as he was wont to speak to mother and sisters. "'And I want you to know all my sisters.' "'They are nice girls, but they weren't one bit kinder to me at home "'than you've been here.' "'Well, good-bye,' said the prefect, laughing. "'I'm bashful and not used to being complimented, "'so I'd better retire. "'When you feel very grateful to me again, "'please pay your gratitudes out in prayer for me.' "'Oh, indeed I will. "'I do pray for you every day, Mr. Middleton, "'and I intend to keeping it up. "'And I'll get my sisters to join in, too.' They are far better at it than I am. Well, goodbye. And the prefect departed, wondering. End of chapter 14 Read by Justina B. Edmonton, Alberta, June 2021